Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome back. It's been at least a month since I've podcasted and a very long time since I've podcasted on my own. Last episode was a recorded Zoom call And before that, there were just a whole long line of really cool people I interviewed. And as I shared somewhere along the line, that was really fun. And it was also really draining. And it really felt like the end of a chapter for some reason. The end of whatever that timeline was that I was on. And I don't know. I don't know who I am. I don't know where I am. I feel like I am in an alternate universe lately. Hence the break with podcasting and the break in general, just from all sorts of external life. Wanting to share today some birth related thoughts, which I will get to, but also just an update. Since it has been so long, and I think the update I know is welcome by so many. And then also it definitely is related to the birth talk, the even very brief birth talk that I might give today. So let's see, so much going on. And so much of it is already in the past. So I'm in this mode right now where it really is all about the present. However, I'll fill you in. So we had a midwifery retreat here in Kentucky a month ago, and that's our answering the call retreat that Margot and I do together. And it's really great. It really is. It's the second time we've offered that, and it's the second time it's been full, and it's the second time that I think it went over really well. And by that, I mean the women that traveled and engaged for these two days, which is a long time, really to engage. They were right. They were right for us. They were right for our midwifery school. And it feels very satisfying for sure to hold space for women in that way. It's a little different than pregnancy and birth, but there are a lot of similars. It is a nice break from other workshops where we do more clinical skills, that kind of thing. This answering the call really is not clinical at all. It's a lot of soul searching. It's really not even about midwifery, I think, at its deepest core. It's helping women face the truth of who they are and what they are needing and wanting in their lives. And for many of them, birth work is obviously a huge piece of that call. So again, super honored to have held space, but (laughs) truly, um, that was the perfect beginning to the end of being out in the world. I feel like I'm definitely on a hiatus, and as I'll share more, 
probably will be kind of on this energetic hiatus for the next couple of months. But that was the end of what felt like a really external time of year. Uh, We will be conducting another retreat like that, the same one called Answering the Call to Radical Midwifery. And this next version will be in January. So I'll get my break here. But in January, I would love to see you there. And this one is in Oahu. Pretty exciting. Margo and I needed a vacation. So the stars have aligned. And we will be traveling pretty darn far to Oahu to offer this two-day retreat there and to just get some vacation time. So that link is, let's see, uh, IndieBirthMidwiferySchool.org forward slash answering the call. And we ask that people apply to make sure they're the right match for that. And then we'd love to see you there. So moving onwards down the timeline of my life here, Margo and I did this retreat and actually right before the retreat, so I guess I'm slightly out of order here, uh, the day before the retreat, in fact, Margo and I had a really nice bed and breakfast stay. This wasn't just any bed and breakfast. This was the one, the one that we would love to call home for our Indie Birth Sanctuary. It is currently operating as a very functional and beautiful and very nicely and highly maintained bed and breakfast. So we stayed the night, we got to tour the land, we got to just be on the land, pray on the land, all of these great things that I love to do and feel really connected and connective. And we also had dinner and stayed the night in one of the beautiful cabins that we are seeing as one of the primary places to birth. So if you haven't checked out that project, we'd love if you did so. It's IndieBirthSanctuary.org, and we are in the throes of manifestation. And that could be another reason, now that I'm saying it out loud, that I'm feeling so internal. Yes, it's the time of year, but also a project of this magnitude mimics a pregnancy. That's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling like I'm in a pregnancy, and I'm not physically pregnant, but the project is the baby. And this Indie Birth Sanctuary is growing, um, it's picking up speed, and ultimately, I really truly believe that the money, the funds, the resources that are needed to make this a reality will come, but it's not time yet. And we're in sort of this dark, dark part of the year, um, dark energetically, and so I'm not expecting that to happen today or tomorrow or this month, or probably next month. And that's weird and hard. It's weird to start a project and then also have to not go full speed to really respect the ebb and flow of energy and the natural organic way that things move and don't move. So that project is definitely happening. It's just kind of in this, um, you know, growing mode. Uh, It's still in the embryonic stage, let's put it that way. So we are, you know, still hoping people will share. Um, However, I feel deeply in my heart that someone or maybe a couple someones will appear at some point and it will just happen. So I don't think it's going to be a matter of raising money, even though if you check out that Indie Birth Sanctuary site, we do have a donate page and we're gratefully accepting donations of all sizes. In fact, you will get our new ebook as a gift if you donate anything at all. 
And again, grateful for that, but not imagining that that's how this is going to go down. I could be wrong, but I'm feeling that it's going to come from one or two people uh, with a lot of money that just really, really believe in our vision. And even though it's not feeling super um, active externally, the vision is very much still on my heart, close to my heart, as well as on Margot's, <coughs> excuse me, and our colleagues and our advisory board. So uh, it's just that part in pregnancy where you're hanging out, growing a baby, you know, not much to say about it. <sighs> so next on the timeline, we got into Scorpio season and every year, <clears throat> every year, and this is not just me, um, if you pay attention to the energies, Scorpio season is just a lot. It's a lot for a lot of people. And there is this feeling of the underworld that comes forth. And I think I would notice even if my brain didn't know it was Scorpio season, but of course I do. So I won't lie, that could play into it. But it's just a really dark time of year. Um, there's often a lot of deaths in Scorpio season. And, you know, a lot of figurative deaths, people kind of leaving old stuff behind, leaving relationships. Um, again, I think even what I've been experiencing is sort of that like dark night of the soul. You know, you go to the underworld, you got to check out your shadow, you've got to be with yourself in ways that are uncomfortable. And that's Scorpio season. So not to mention that we have a lot of birthdays in our house, which I'll sort of get to. But it's so much internal work during this time of year. And even if Scorpio season, you know, if astrology doesn't necessarily resonate with you, uh, we're headed towards the darkest part of the year. That's just a fact, at least here in the, um, you know, this part of the world. I'm not the Australia side. If you're there, then you're not. But we are uh, on this side of the world headed towards winter solstice, which is the darkest night. And after that, then we start coming back into the light again. And I really do always feel that shift. So um, on my end, I honor that and I respect that as best I can. And that's kind of where this podcast is probably also going today. Feeling a pull in Scorpio season and again, headed towards winter solstice to me is a pull to do nothing. And I'm bringing that phrase forward even for myself today because I criticize myself when I say that often, right? Like, why is it a do nothing? To go inward and to do the deep work of our soul is certainly not nothing. So I say it half jokingly because in the world, it looks like you're doing nothing. But on the inside, it's maybe the most intense part of your year, of my year. And it's certainly not nothing. So, you know, it's said half in jest. Um, but being nothing, I think I will touch more on that. I think there is something about being nothing, about not, um, you know, over-identifying with ourselves as egos. And and that's a lifelong practice, but there's something about this time of year again that's really bringing it out in me. I've just had absolutely no will to do much of anything creative, start anything new, and that's perfectly fine. 
Along those lines, my computer died. Not very interesting, but I thought very timely. Uh, it was showing signs of weakness <laughs> uh, for many months. It couldn't search anything, and I've been putting it off. And then literally a couple weekends ago, I think I had planned to do a podcast, actually. It just wouldn't come on. It was just dark and black. And, you know, it really wasn't that old, so I don't know. So other than the expense, of course, of having to buy another computer, it was actually a really nice break. And it was one, I guess, I really needed because it was made for me. The decision was just made. The computer died on, I don't know, I want to say a Thursday. And even with the quickest shipping, I had a couple of days to wait. So it was a nice break and a true legitimate excuse to even say to Margo, hey, I can't do anything right now. I can't check anything. I can't respond to anybody. And that was kind of nice. So moving along, we got into Rumi's birthday, which was this past week. And if you're on Instagram, you saw a whole week of celebrating Rumi and his really intense and really cool birth experience. I'm sure most of you know the story, so I won't go through that again, but he's only two. So to say that I thought about it and felt it and sort of lived it again would be true because he's only two. And that was a lot and a lot of a lot of the reason that I felt and how felt very internal. Um, yes, I had things to say about it. There's a number of Instagram posts that I did write, but that was pretty much all I said about it. I didn't really have conversations about it. Um, in my mind, there's nothing to review any further at the moment with his birth. I don't feel traumatized. I don't need space held for telling the story. It feels really complete uh, in the two year span. And, you know, not to say there isn't more to come or more growth there, but I feel like the lessons have been profoundly delivered. And so I'm grateful, but it also made for a, a quiet week on my end. Plus, we had another full moon and an eclipse on his birthday. So it was just a lot, a lot of feeling. And uh, any of you that have had babies, just the way you remember, and it feels like your body remembers certain things, I think is very accurate and true. Even if it's not the sensations of birth, it's, you know, just connecting the dots, being like, wow, a year ago or two years ago, I was here in the process. And I did write a post for Instagram this week uh, that Sam posted for us. And it was about being in the in-between. It was the day before his birthday. And if you read the story, you'll know that I was kind of in and out of labor all day before he was born. And it was weird and it was unsettling and I wasn't here and it wasn't there and it wasn't in my labor brain and it wasn't in my normal brain. And, you know, it was a very bizarre experience. And so when I reflected upon that this year, I felt like that actually in the moment. I got up feeling like that, which is no accident. I just felt like, where am I? (laughs) You know, and that feeling has kind of continued to be like, I'm just in this in between right now. I don't know what's next, but I'm here. I'm here and I'm doing the best I can. So speaking of reliving birthdays, today is 20 years ago. So my very first baby, Amelia, will be 20 tomorrow. And I was reflecting, of course, last night, that was the night my water broke. So my water's opened, um, you know, like 
a day and a half, I guess, before she was born. It opened, they opened on, I don't remember what day of the week it was. Um, but you know, it was last night, Saturday night in my mind. And then today's Sunday. And I spent all day similar to Rumi's labor in and out of labor at the hospital, not truly in labor. And then tonight it would be 20 years ago. I agreed to a Pitocin induction and had no other pain relief. And she was born at about 4 a.m. on the 14th. So uh, I think they started the Pitocin that night at about 9 p.m. And she was out and born by 4 a.m., which for a first birth, especially an induction, is pretty impressive. So I was uh, retelling the story to Margot this morning on the phone, and that felt really good. And I thought I definitely wanted to share just that little tidbit because, wow, how things change in 20 years, but also how like yesterday it feels in a way like I can't believe she's going to be 20 and I can't believe that was me. You know, that was me uh, 20 years ago going through my first birth. Um, and, the, you know, she's turning 20. I was 25 when I had her. So there's also that kind of weird similarity of us being almost the same age at that point. And when I was reflecting to Margot, I guess what I thought was fun to share uh, in hindsight now, 20 years later, is that. I didn't have any doubt I could do it. And I think that's really cool. And as I've worked with people, you know, over the last nearly 15 years, um, that's something I've noticed that you either have as a birthing mama or you don't. And where did that come from? Right? Like my mom didn't have home births, but she did birth me naturally in the hospital and my sister as well. And my whole life, I heard my birth story And I heard her tell it in such a way that was not scary. I remember her telling me the whole story. Uh, I was preterm. That was the only thing sort of that was weird and off. Uh, But she barely made it to the hospital. And I was um, almost born in a cop car. So I was born really fast. And I remember her saying that she didn't feel any pain and that she kind of had an out-of-body experience. So even at a young age, even before I knew anything about birth, before I knew what that meant, I had it instilled in me that birth was pretty normal. And I am so grateful for that. I am so grateful. In fact, I should text my mother later and thank her for that. Uh, So yeah, those are my really simple reflections on birth 20 years ago. Yeah, it was a hospital birth. Yeah, it was an induction. But I knew I could do it, and it never crossed my mind that I wouldn't even going in. I didn't know what I was signing up for, of course. And I think it also speaks to the amount of knowledge that someone needs for birth. I didn't have a ton. We had taken Bradley classes, so that was helpful. We did have a doula, also helpful. But I knew nothing. I knew nothing about anything. And I still knew I could do it. I believed that it would happen. And I think that is amazing because Now, knowing what I do, I look back and I think, wow, uh, I was really lucky that I did not have a cesarean because, you know, that's just often how it goes for first births. And I think she had been posterior towards the end of my labor. Um, Again, all things that I didn't know anything about, but didn't wind up being a problem. So I'm really grateful for that experience, actually. And, um, 
you know, I think it could have gone a lot of ways, but that's the way it went. And that's really just an amazing way to have started a 20 year childbearing career, which is what it was. So I was talking to Amelia this morning for her birthday and we agreed that maybe she'd come back on for a podcast in in December or January when she's home, just because we did one last year together and she's grown up so much. And yeah, I love telling her birth story and I think it's just perfect. I know for sure uh, she's had feelings around being um, the one that was born at the hospital. And of course, now Rumi has. But uh, prior to that, you know, she was the one, the only one that hadn't been born at home. And she's entitled to feel however about that. But honestly, I think it was so perfect. So that's kind of a wrap up of the 20 years prior to today. But such a huge leap, really, uh, for a woman, right, to have her first baby. And then I guess, um, you know, going into birth work is particularly fascinating to me because that was my entry. That was my entry into birth. And lastly, I do remember just loving birth, even though it was an induction, even though it was at the hospital. I was on such a high. And I remember watching birth stories on TV after that. And, you know, there was no Instagram, there was no social media, Um, just being intrigued and wanting to be pregnant pretty much right away. So uh, that was the start to me and birth. And it's a good one. So I'm so grateful for that. So from there, where do I go with this? Well, um, getting into just how I'm feeling and some thoughts about birth this week, um, If my brain is engaged, and maybe some of you will relate to this right now, Um, if my brain is engaged, again, there's this feeling of like, why am I doing nothing? What's happening? Why am I being lazy? What's going on? But in my body, in my soul, it's like, nope, this is right where you should be. There is nothing to do. There is nowhere to go. um, And it's perfect. You know, it's perfect, this sort of lull. And as my friend Amber would say, it's the void. It's just this dark place that sometimes we enter into because life is ups and downs, because life is a shifting of the light and the dark. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with being in kind of a waiting room and seeing what's next. All that matters is now is what I've come to and is what. Uh, is kind of keeping me steady and focused right now because it's not, as I said, external projects or or those kind of things. <sighs> Just really being in the moment is my practice and that has been the best thing. So lots of meditation for me lately, um, chanting. I really love Kirtan and I've missed Krishna Das in my life for one. I mean, there are lots of people out there that do Kirtan, but he is one of the first that um, I've ever loved and been a fan of. And I remember going to a Krishna Das concert years ago when I was pregnant with Belgium, and it was really, really fantastic. So if people don't know his work, uh, I would check it out. He does Kirtan, which is like a call and response um, prayer, ultimately Hindu prayer. And there's something just so grounding and comforting and soul connecting about it. So I've been rediscovering that. I adore his podcast, actually. Uh, I've been telling a lot of people about that just because, I don't know, I feel like 
I'm not alone in how I'm feeling. And this disengagement from the world is actually really important. We need to engage with ourselves right now. The world is batshit crazy. I don't even know what's happening out there, but I know that it is because, you know, you can feel it when you go out or you'll kind of catch wind of something happening. It doesn't matter. We can have compassion for what is happening or what we think is happening, but also just disengaging from it to take care of ourselves has been my message lately. I really loved a metaphor that Krishna Das shared on one of his podcasts, and I'll share it here. And he probably says it better, but I'll do my best. We have to stay steady. Uh, it's like we're in an ocean, right? And that's life. The waves are life. And the turbulence is life. And there's kind of always something coming or happening. And it's our job to put down an anchor. And then we don't mind so much what's happening around us because we know we can't control it anyway. And we just rest in what we do know, which is ourselves and how to be solid and how to be connected. And then life happens around us. And I've been finding that really comforting, especially, I don't know about you, but it feels like many people's lives right now are absolutely crazy. Lots raging around people right now in their oceans, their individual oceans of life, drama and stories and, you know, hard times, really. But we can't get pulled into them. So, um, you know, having friends, having having family even that are going through things like that, just being really solid, putting down your own anchor, spending enough time to do that. And again, for me, that's a withdrawal from the world, despite brief uh, brief appearances like this on a podcast. Um, I'm doing it too. I'm in it and I'm kind of pulling the blinds and working on being with myself. I think it's the most important thing right now to find our center, especially this time of year, right? Because then ideally, if we are sort of thinking ahead, then we can go out into the world once the light returns and we're ready and we're inspired and we're creative and the spark is there. But for now, that's not where we are. We're in this sort of, uh, you know, I, I hate to say, hate to keep saying dark. I don't mean depressing. It just means like where we can't see, we can't see in the dark often and it feels confusing, but there's a deepness to it. There's a deepness to being in the dark, right? You kind of get used to it in a way and you start to see things that you haven't been able to see and sometimes even literally, if you're in the dark, the worst thing you can do is flip on a light, right? Because it messes up your vision. So just accepting where we are. Um, I'm accepting where I am just in this deep, dark space. And I want to be in it. And I don't want to engage in anything external past what I have to, which again, still still getting to this birth and wanting to share about how all of this sort of affected that. Um, but you know, external comes in lots of ways. And again, it might look different for you. But I know for me, I do often rely on maybe picking cards or uh, looking for signs or, you know, all of these things that I think can be really meaningful in our lives. And I just had this moment a couple of weeks ago where it was like, no, nothing matters. Nothing like that matters. And stop looking to the outside for anything, for validation, for support, for comfort, it's all inside. And, you know, I think the world also responds when you feel that way and you start 
just not seeing as many external things and giving them meaning and really, really just turning the mirror inwards and saying, you know, what is here? What do I see? So who would have guessed today that you would get all of this on my birth podcast? I do think it's so related, though. Obviously, I shared with Rumi's birth all of the posts. If you read them, if you've read his story, if you've read the podcast transcripts or listened to them after his birth, I have shared here and there and many times over that something really broke in me during his birth, that midwifery and birth went from you know, this physical, emotional process to this hands-down spiritual initiation. And that is playing out in my life even now, two years later, even more so. Um, I don't know if I'll have any more babies. That's to be seen. But as a midwife, uh, it has definitely, definitely changed my practice and the way I view things. And to me, you know, being in our true spirituality is being in these places within ourselves and, you know, maybe being uncomfortable or being joyful or feeling whatever it is, eternal love, recognizing our own souls. That is what I was shown with his birth. And that's where I am. So they are not unrelated, of course. Um, And, you know, learning how to come back to this place within ourselves, whether it's during birth, whether it's during a pregnancy, whether it's after birth as a mother, it's all part of the process and all can be part of the process that we're supported in. Yeah, it's okay. Ever's here and she's feeling worried about making noise, but I told her just to go ahead and shut her door. Yeah, we're hanging out at the office today, Ever and Henna and I, and Henna is doing her Henna thing, which is just laying here. And Ever and I are going to work on a puzzle together when I'm done with this. And we thought that sounded super fun. We can't really do a puzzle at our house because there's nowhere to put it where we can leave it where a baby won't get it. So we're going to do an office puzzle. Okay, so here I am, uh, whatever, half an hour into this podcast with just some brief thoughts about birth. And again, just kind of summarizing that life is life and birth and midwifery. They're all a part of life. And that's how I feel. This is how I come to my life. So, you know, someone asked on one of the moon circles, I think it was the one we have as a podcast, um, just something about like spirituality and midwifery. And when did that happen for me? And I didn't have a timeline because it, it wasn't a time answer, right? It was a uh, well, as I'm changing and evolving as a soul, midwifery comes with me. It, it's just a part of me. So I don't treat them as separate things. Hence, you know, the evolution of this podcast and all of that. Okay, so definitely want to talk about birth a little bit because I love birth. I really do. I'm not over it. Uh, it's not something, you know, I'm not interested anymore in, but it's just a part of life. And uh, I'm sure we'll be sharing many photos from a really gorgeous birth this past week. And I'm really excited about that because this mom just like totally rocked it. And the photos uh, taken by my apprentice, Angelia, are the best, some of the best I've ever seen. And so having full permission to kind of talk about the birth and the birth experience and share photos feels really good. And I'm not sure, you know, that what I'll share today will be shared on Instagram. Um, I'm sure we'll focus on her and, you know, just the birth itself. But today I thought I'd share this idea of bringing nothing to birth. 
So back to this idea of nothing, like, do we judge that uh, when we're feeling internal, when we're feeling that there's not anything to do, but be, and we're just there. Um, You know, it sounds funny in a way. It sounds like a Seinfeld episode, if you're as old as me, that we're just, you know, doing a show about nothing and ha 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 and how funny that is. But really, what about this idea of being at a birth and just being and not bringing anything at all? And of course, I don't necessarily mean literally not bringing anything because we have our physical tools, you know, we have things we can bring, but I mean, energetically, emotionally, um, even spiritually, can we not bring anything along to occupy this birth space? And I'd say, yes, that is possible. And I would love to experiment more and, and do more with that. So I had just said, um, in a repost of something about Rumi's birth this week. I think it was the podcast, the magical journey of Rumi, the magical tale of Rumi's soul or something where I share kind of all the behind the scenes spiritual stuff that was going on with him. Um, I said in that, that his birth changed me and in a million ways. And I've shared some of those. But one way is the desire to not affect someone's experience even more. So what does that mean? Well, before Rumi's birth, I think I definitely was still in a place as a midwife where I wanted people to have a certain experience. And that might sound normal and natural. And I think it is to a point. But ultimately, this idea of bringing nothing means we also don't bring our expectations to someone's space. And it's confusing for some because it doesn't mean we don't care. It doesn't mean we don't want the best for them. It doesn't mean that a healthy mom and a healthy baby and a great experience aren't important. Like, yes, yes, they are. But do we control that? And the answer unanimously for me is no, I do not control that. Um, I do not. I do not control that for someone else. I barely control that in my own life. And so... Uh, Getting the call for this birth this week was really fun because it wasn't really at the front of my brain. And again, I mean that in a loving way. Uh, I care deeply about this lovely mama, but I wasn't worried about her. I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't thinking about it. Um, It just felt like I was living my life. And then her process started and it was a couple of days before her due date. So, you know, not really surprising, but again, expectations. So, um, you know, I know a lot of midwives and doulas and even when we're pregnant with our own babies, we can make guesses, right? We make guesses. We're like, oh, well, maybe I'll have the baby on this day or maybe I'll go two weeks over or maybe she'll have her baby tomorrow. And I have just really refrained from doing that as of late, and even more so. So I guess that's why I wasn't expecting it. But I wasn't not expecting it. I had no expectations at all. I really didn't. And I was surprised. And I wasn't surprised. So uh, long story short, and it really is a short story. Her early labor progressed really super fast. She called me around noon. And the baby was out by 2pm. 
So she had a very quick labor, a very quick active labor. And truthfully, that was part of my own experience around it, uh, which I'm so grateful for because at the end of the day, I didn't have a lot of time to think about it or get worked up or, you know, wonder or ponder or do any of the midwife things in my head. There just simply wasn't space for that. And this mama was so confidently holding her own energy around it that it didn't even occur to me to do any of those things. So it was one of the most magical births I think I've ever attended, um, especially for a first time mama, you know, again, no expectations, but it's not as common. It's not as common for babies to fly out the first time, although I've certainly seen it and missed many first births. Uh, But again, I didn't have that expectation. I had no idea what would happen. And it was just an absolute treat, especially in the midst of my own life, my own, you know, ever evolving personal and spiritual experience to be invited into this space Uh, at this time in my life. You know, this baby, this mama, having the honor of witnessing them was not an accident. So showing up at this birth space and just being present. I don't have a better way of saying it. And I don't really need to go on and on. Um, There was like this unattachment, you know, non-attachment Uh, disengagement in the best way from any of it. I didn't have expectations. I didn't have any projections of my own or thoughts. I didn't have even a desire for her. I mean, of course, my heart was happy. And yeah, again, um, wanting it to all be smooth, of course, but no, no desire for it to look a certain way. Uh, For example, she had planned a water birth and that didn't work out. And like, who cares? You know, I don't care. And I mean that in the best way. I think even that statement, um, I don't care. You know, I mean in the best way. I don't overly care. I don't have a need on my end. I didn't care. Whatever, whatever was going to happen was going to happen. And the best thing I could do, uh, and I've learned this before, but this was sort of a new experience of it. The best thing I can do is just be present. Don't have a story around it. Don't have any way that it could go or should go or might go. And just drop. You drop yourself into a space of love. And that was the most profound lesson. And I really do truly feel like this particular baby, um, you know, probably wanted that for all of us because I think those beings are highly evolved most of the time, more more evolved than most of us are. Um, and so I could totally believe and see that it would be part of this baby's plan to do this for himself, to do this for his parents first and foremost. Uh, and then, you know, behind that, maybe the midwife just being like, hey, <laughs> this lady needs to be present. I'm going to show her what it's like to just be in a space of love for my entrance because I don't need anything else. And I don't need fear and I don't need thoughts and I don't need any of it. I simply want witness. And I'm so, so grateful. And I said that out loud, you know, if if the recording, um, the birth video winds up somewhere with permission, of course, uh, that's pretty much all I said, you know, and I, and maybe I said some other things just encouraging her. But I remember saying out loud, like, I'm so grateful for you, baby. I'm so grateful for this baby. I'm so grateful. 
because I could feel it. I could feel his presence coming through in this grounded way. And again, there wasn't like this large spiritual story around it. I, you know, I, I don't know more than that. It was just a feeling, a feeling of being in complete love and peace and no fear at all and not jumping ahead or around in my midwife brain. And I don't know how much people can relate to that, depending on if you're a midwife listening to this or not, or a doula, maybe, maybe that applies. Um, but you know, midwife brain, it's a, it's a, it's a place, <laughs> it's a thing. And we also can um, perpetuate the existence of midwife brain for good reason, because we have training and we want to be ready. And, you know, sometimes we see something at a birth and our brains do jump ahead because we need that information. It's not all bad. Uh, We need to be prepared. You know, we see this thing and then our brain jumps ahead to, well, what if it's this or what if I need to do this? But at this birth, just the alignment of perfection meant that I had the honor. I had this humbling honor of staying in the present staying completely present and not thinking at all about what if or how could it or what what next, nothing. And that was a real gift. So I don't know if you know what midwife brain is, if you've experienced it. Um, again, it's not a bad thing. But ideally, if I could spend more time in my present momentness at births, I think it would serve everyone better because I wonder, I wonder how even jumping around in midwife brain affects women. And again, sometimes we need to, we need to act quickly. We need to, you know, have our analytical brains on, but this was not one of them. And I was so, so grateful to just kind of be a fly on the wall. I mean, I didn't do anything at all except watch. And that was really, really, uh, really, really special. Other than, and this will probably be shown in photos and podcasts or um, not podcasts, sorry, uh, video, photo or video or both, um, just that this particular baby, because he did have such a fast entrance, was a little stunned. So I love talking about newborn transition, uh, not just from the physiological and physical perspective, but the spiritual perspective of coming into a body, a soul coming into an earthly body, which may or may not have been an experience of this soul thus far. Uh, So I'm very patient. And if a baby needs help, of course, that will happen. But most babies, including this one, didn't need anything from me. There wasn't a matter of fear or anxiety. And it was all just so relaxed, so relaxed that I don't know that the mom uh, even had a sense of this baby having a slower time transitioning. I did ask her to suction the baby herself with her mouth, and she did a rock star job of that, just really solid. Uh, Had never done it before, obviously, but didn't matter. Just was there. You know, she was in her body, Um, which again, I think gives everyone permission to be in their bodies. And she called this baby in. She called this baby in with her breath and with uh, removing fluids and just her simple presence. So I always marvel in hindsight at situations like that. Um, No big deal. Baby's fine. But could it have looked different? Sure. It could have been quite a dramatic scene depending on where and who and when. And again, I'm grateful to just have been in the state I was. Um, I wasn't thinking about that. I wasn't, you know, overly prepared for any kind of resuscitation. It just simply was an extension of presence. And in this case, uh, what presence needed was this baby 
being suctioned by his mom. You know, it wasn't a matter of a clinical decision-making thing. It was just a flow. It was just a flow from what was happening. And again, a calmness and a real witnessing, which again, I know goes a long way. And I guess this is what I'm constantly experimenting with in the spiritual realm, right? Like, of course, we'll give help when needed. That's not what I'm saying. I do think midwives need skills. I will say that again and again forever. Um, But I think we need them even less of the time, even more rarely when we're present and engaged and connected. And the mom is too, of course, she's done that work. And so she's done that work. She's with her baby in that way. And then we're all connected in that way. And again, I'm not saying that means birth always turns out perfect, but the level of connection makes it easier to navigate what might come next if there is anything that's sort of out of the ordinary. So it was a momentous birth. It was just gorgeous. So many congrats to this mama and her family. And I can't wait to see how her life changes and what comes next for her. Uh, To have a first birth like that, you know, kind of blows my mind still. I've been in birth a long time and all beautiful births blow my mind. All births are amazing. But these first time mamas that just kick ass, you know, I'm really, really just impressed by uh, their their soul's calling to this mission. Um, that's what it is, right? It's a connectedness to their higher self and their baby and this idea that there's a way they want this. There's a way they know, like, and I mean deeply know, not intellectually know. There's a way they know this can look and they go for it. So again, gratitude to all of that family. And um you know, it kind of is ironic to say like, oh, I, I want to practice being more in that state because it's not something you think about or practice. You just embody. So I'll leave it at that. Let's all embody presence more often. If we attend births, let's keep doing our own work. Let's find the places within us that need our presence because without doing that for ourselves, uh, it's like that whole oxygen mask metaphor. We can't really do it for someone else. So if we can be present, in our own lives. And I think that's the gift of this season. Then we can be present in birth. And I think that really would change the world. It would change midwifery. It would change birth. Um, it would change women just being with other women. And I'm really excited about holding that as the vision right now, along with all of the other visions. So thanks for listening. If you made it this far, it's so nice to be back in this limited amount. And I'm sure I'll podcast here and there. I'm not really planning on any big projects or being back super regularly until January 2023. I'm sure there will be fun things. If you haven't seen our moon circles on Zoom, those are happening twice a month. And those have been really fun. And I think that is one thing I have felt called to do. They're just an hour. They're on topics that we pick sort of randomly. They're not planned. They're not presented. They're just talking. And that's feeling really good to put out into the world kind of while I hibernate and figure out what's next. All right, everybody, I wish you a beautiful week and I'll see you when I see you.